2: If this is the best God can do, I am not impressed.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Out of Limits of New Tooth Radio Show. Out com. I'm your host, Ryan. So, this is going to be a little unusual show tonight, because it is the 10-year anniversary that Stuart Wilde, metaphysical visionary, author one of my most influential teachers, graduated from the earth plane. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe he's been gone for 10 years. If he was alive right now, he would be having so much fun. I'm sure he'd be generating so much controversy. So tonight, I'm going to play some clips of Stuart talking, some of his wisdom, some people who knew him. But let me give you a quick synopsis for those of you who are not familiar with Mr. Stuart Wild. Stuart was a best-selling author and visionary he was somebody who had Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer as some of his students he was known as the teacher's teacher and he was very cutting-edge and he would consider him a spiritual comedian because I never saw somebody go on stage make people laugh curse and just you know energize them and he was also the anti-guru a lot of these you know people like oh worship me you know I know the way he wasn't like that at all he hated gurus. He wanted you to figure it out for himself. I discovered him back in 2005, a couple of years away from, you know, having this hard breakup with religion when I just couldn't stand religion. And I walked away from it, and I discovered him in a bookstore. I just looked at a book, and I saw his, his picture, and I'm like, something's up with this guy. So I decided to read this book called Affirmations, and it was it was life-changing. And one of the biggest lessons in Affirmations and Stuart's teachings is that all life that you see, that you perceive outside, is a direct reflection of who you are inside. And I thought that was very profound and powerful. And a lot of the things that he was teaching were, were all about self-responsibilities, which can be scary if, if you're not if you're not into freedom. But really, was uh, pushing uh, his teachings. Were, I think were very cutting edge. He also, I'll tell you this: <laughs> one of the first nights I hung out with him, he introduced me to ayahuasca. He's like, ah, oh, you, you want to see uh, some sites? I'm like, yeah, sure, have some ayahuasca. So we drank ayahuasca. and It was it was life-changing as well. Ayahuasca definitely changed my life. But he um, he always was there pushing and telling the truth the way he saw it. And one of the things Stuart used to do is he used to teach people how to perceive alternate dimensions. He always believed that these dimensions that people talk about are, lo- are alongside of us, and you could perceive them by going into a delta, a theta metronome, meditating one of these things and perceiving through. So I think a lot of his works were always going to be known as being cutting edge and he had a lot of visions of what would happen in the future. But uh, the, the thing I want to just take away, I want you to take away most is that he treat, was passionate about teaching love, compassion, tenderness, generosity. And uh, I think that his teachings are, are going to be discovered by future generations and they're going to see how far uh, how far ahead of his time he was. So uh, it is a profound, beautiful honor. I hope I honor Stuart with this show the best way possible, but uh, let's begin.
1: And have you noticed, like, all those books are very thick, aren't they? You know, that secret teachings of Sri Bongo, Dongo, Longo, Spongo, and it's like 40,000 pages long. And you think, what the fuck is this about? You know, why is it taking so long? Because God, it's a short word, isn't it? it ought to be like maybe one or two pages long and a few little ideas with it but here you buy the complication because you have to do a lot of thinking and then you move along here and there's a place here that i call the plane of desolation desolation is where things are very very sparse desolate means the absence of trees let's say for example a desert would be desolate um... You know, the high mountain areas with no trees might be very desolate. Um, Having no friends would be desolate. And the reason why this plane is desolate is because it's there where the ego dies. It's there where you start to embrace the infinite self. And you embrace it through quietness, through meditation, through serenity, through touching nature, through realizing that you're a complete arsehole. You know, it took me years to figure that one out. (laughs) Years and years and years. I actually thought I knew things, you know? I mean, it must have taken me three to five years to work out I am completely arseholic. I should, you know, join Arseholes Anonymous here, man, you know? And go to meetings every Tuesday. Because I'm a complete fucking idiot. As you travel, you travel towards God. And you go so far away from the TikTok material world. And the ego starts to die. And as the ego starts to die, you start to believe that you're dying. So you'll have all these sort of like near-death traumas. You'll think, my God, I'm falling sick. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to crap out and fall over. And it's just part of this journey. And basically what you're doing is you're moving towards the transcendental self. And the transcendental self is not complicated. It is simple. It is extremely simple. It's even simpler than I'm describing it here. It's just I'm contracted to talk for two hours tonight. So I so mean, I'm gonna complicate it a bit. But I can show it to you in about three minutes. You see, we're mad, we're so mad as humans. I mean, you have to have compassion for our stupidity. And what's beautiful about it is we're jointly, collectively stupid. It's not like I'm very clever, you know, and these people are very stupid and, and she's very clever. You know, we're jointly silly, totally fucking silly. Now imagine if you were God, You'd be sitting up there somewhere just pissing yourself, laughing, wouldn't you? Thinking, my God, well, look what these people are doing. They're sort of banging into each other like idiots. But to cross and to get there, you have to go through this very quiet, lonely place. Where your world begins to die. Where the people that you're friends with tend to drift away. Where the things that you used to think were really, really important suddenly change. Where you stopped seeing yourself as African or Italian or German, or Polish refugee, female, male, computer analyst, nurse, doctor, bus driver, and you start to see yourself as an
0: infinite being. This right now is Tom Lishman. Tom worked with Stuart for a very long time, was a very beloved, close friend, and worked on a lot of Stuart's workshops and uh, was with him on a regular basis. Tom, how would you reflect on Stuart Well, uh, first of all, it's just a pleasure to be able to talk to you. Um, uh, We're all
4: suffering from Stuart's loss, and there's not a day goes by when I don't receive an email of condolence from somebody who's just discovered at this late stage uh, that that he's passed. But uh, all I can say is he was a a remarkable man, but he was a man. Um, He uh, never saw himself as a teacher in any way or a guru. He was extremely modest when it came to that. Um, And he didn't want to have that accolation in any way or adoration in any way. Um, But what he achieved over his lifetime, when you look at the almost 20 books that he wrote and the millions and millions of words he wrote in other articles and during his time when he ran the Redeemers Club, he he really... Made a, a difference for so many, many people, and that numbers hundreds of thousands of people. And he changed their life, and he gave them hope. He gave them hope that they could survive this uh, this world that, that that was really on top of them. And um, he he brought them peace
0: and how do you think he actually uh, impacted the world of metaphysics and the world of uh, spirituality do you think he actually uh, changed the, the course of like a lot of the books that have been written in court uh,
4: Well, you know if if i pick up virtually any any metaphysical manual that's been written in the last 20 years i can i can read stuart coming out of that he was uh, the teacher's teacher. A lot of people studied with him quietly. Uh, uh, he, he didn't make a, a big song and dance about the people that, that had uh, spent time with him. And they were obviously influenced by his, his sort of radical medical physics um, and, and the way that he did business. And you can, you can see so many books now where it's almost chapter and verse what he's said at some stage during his, his long writing career. Tenderness, respect and generosity were the cornerstone, the linchpin of, of what he taught. And it's so, so important to ensure that those qualities are embraced and then uh, passed on to other people. He often said that, you know, the, 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 the voyage of this life was actually... It's just very simple it was three feet um about two feet from your head to your heart and then a, a foot out to the nearest person that you embrace them and hug them and show them your warmth uh, and uh, that's how i honor him
1: the world of the ego is one of agony pure agony for most people because even when the ego is being kept happy it's never really happy you can give it a new car you can give it a new snowmobile some sexual experiences You can get it drunk, you can stuff it full of food, and it wakes up the following morning and it nails a list of things to your forehead. It says, hey, sucker, get me this and get me that. I feel insecure. I want more of this and more of that. So the ego always leans towards dysfunction. You cannot possibly come to any kind of serenity in what the Eastern mystics call Maya, the illusion, in the ego-driven world. Of course, when you think about it, this physical plane is a glorious experience. From a spiritual perspective, we don't really have any negative energy on this plane. We only have the illusion of negative energy. Let me explain. All negative energy comes from the ego. In other words, what we call the negative experience is any contradiction of the ego's opinion. So anytime there's something happens in life that contradicts you, you'll consider you have suffered a negative experience. So you want to live a pain-free existence, and you fall off the sidewalk and break your ankle, and there's a contradiction. You want a simple lifestyle with plenty of money, and the check bounces, you get laid off from your job, and there's another contradiction. You want a reasonable flow, reasonable happiness reasonable gratification and your spouse gives you a hard time your kids drive you crazy the boss is harassing you and here are a few more contradictions you want to be cozy and warm and it's pelting down with rain so what we as humans call negative experiences are really only contradiction of the ego's opinion emotional pain is all self-inflicted it doesn't make it pleasant but once you can see that it comes from the ego's decisions, you can begin to heal it and heal it quickly. In other words, if you want to flow down this eternal river of perception towards your infinite self, you've got to let go of the branch that you're hanging onto and just let the river take you. That means you have to face your insecurities. You have to face your fears and really look at yourself. Sometimes, To look at yourself is extremely painful because what you see is like piles and piles of caca loads of it and you think my god i'm grim i'm totally assaholic i need to join assaholics anonymous i'm so assaholic it's absolutely painful then as you get into that and see how assaholic you are you can love yourself you can look in the mirror and say man this is one of the world's greatest asses but i love him I love her, and I'm gonna change her. And that's what's so great about this process. Think of this. If you were perfect, if you were totally angelic, if you were marvelous, I mean totally over the top, perfect, saintly, whatever, you wouldn't be here. The whole point of our evolution on this earth plane is to come down here with all the crud and all the muck and all the violence and all the sickness and the fact that everyone is so dysfunctional and ill, and we have to accept it, accept the restriction. Just getting into this physical body is a very restricting experience. You wake up in the morning and there it is, 180 pounds, much too fat, and you have to schlep it around all day and haul it about. Just being in the physical, that's grim. you got to haul it around. So we accept the restriction. We accept the negativity. We accept the ego. We accept evil. We accept all of these things in order to transcend them. Because if this place were perfect, we wouldn't show up. We wouldn't incarnate into this body. We'd look at it and we'd think, nah, it's much too yawnsome. It's too boring. I'm not going down to the physical. It's just like watching paint dry down there. There's nothing going on. So you are what you are, and you have what you have and it's all up in the air it can go either way but you've got to want to drive it towards that infinite self you've got to want to come you've got to want to let go and make the journey
0: welcome back to the program is mr jeff casper energy healer energy teacher learn more about it by going to his website at transcodes.com mr casper it's the great pleasure of working with mr Stuart wild can you please tell us about your experience with him what you learned from him
5: oh yeah Thank you for having me on the show, Ryan. He, he's he was a blast to work with. You know, it, it, um, there were times it was challenging, but what Stewart was really good at um, was you know kind of nailing you on certain things as far as um, negative thought processes, um, various te- uh, various uh, programs you may have that were limiting you. He was really good at that. But working with Stewart, the cool thing that I got experience about him was you know a lot of times when we have teachers that we go to or even gurus, people who are very highly revered. Um, who almost almost walk on water, it seems like I got a chance to see the human side of him not not that that was a bad thing, actually, it was a wonderful thing to see that, even though Stuart had a depth of understanding about certain things it, it, to see him as a man as a as a human being and to see that he also struggled with programs and patterns himself uh, it made him that much more real and it really helped me to see the beautiful things that he did teach uh, and the things he did and didn't do so that's really the big thing I saw was I got a chance to go past that persona that so many people have, who have had that stage life, um, to see a man who, who also was human. That was the cool thing about Stuart.
0: What did he teach you about healing, and what did he teach you about soul and energy work? That's a big topic, man. Oh, that could be an
5: entire show. Um, I think the big thing he taught was that anything is possible. You know, these things can be worked on, um, that you are not... A lot of people that worked with Stuart you know, loved to hear the fact that they weren't, for lack of a better word, they weren't screwed, they weren't damned, they weren't locked into these programs. That was one of the big things he worked on was challenging those really tight, restrictive beliefs that we get stuck in sometimes. Uh, and that was one of the biggest things I think he taught me was how to break out of that. To realize, first and foremost, that those things were going on inside of you. Uh, and sometimes that became offensive to some people because he really pushed the envelope on certain things about religion, certain things about spirituality, about life in general, but that also helped you to see a different way. So that was one of his biggest talents, by far.
1: Being brought up in Africa and going through a very rigid English education, and then into a very rigid English society, I really, really cranked up inside of me the perception that I didn't fit. And of course, there are millions and millions of people around the world that don't fit. In my books, I call them fringe dwellers. The fringe dwellers are not hobos or hippie travellers necessarily, and they're not anarchists that are trying to blow up City Hall. They're just people that know there's something else other than the ego and TikTok and control and the institutions. They're people that know and believe in a different reality, an alternative idea. The fringe dwellers are not necessarily attacking anything. They just don't fit because they've sort of worked their way out of restriction, so to speak. They've worked their way through the popular emotion and the popular beliefs and they've worked through TikTok and all of that stuff. They live in a different world. And yet, they may still be driving a bus for the city bus company. But in their hearts, they've moved to the outer edge of this human evolution to the outer edge of the popular emotion that most people consider normal reality. I'm certainly a fringe dweller and probably you are as well. Otherwise you wouldn't have been attracted to these teachings. If you don't know you're a fringe dweller, sit down and have a little think about it. I'm sure you bloody well are. You know, like, you're weird man. You're totally weird and I'm totally weird. And there's millions of us, weirdos all over the planet, that are actually different in our consciousness. What happened to me is probably what happened to you. As I tried to fit, as I tried to mold myself into the three-piece suit, to mold myself into the English class system, the whole social structure, and trot off to Royal Ascot and get a top hat and all that, and go to the races and there's the queen mosing up the track in her little carriage and everybody's so lardy dar, da I couldn't do it. I couldn't fit. I would laugh and think to myself, what the heck am I doing here? The bottom line comes down to, hey, if you're a fringe dweller, if your mindset doesn't fit, then just agree to not fit. Why struggle? Sure, you've got to do things at work. Sure, you've got to shop at Christmas time and do all that away in the manger stuff. But in the end, in your heart of hearts, what you've really got to do is design a bridge that is going to take you from this side, where it's all TikTok and restriction, and not fitting across a river of consciousness to the other side. And that's where the infinite self dwells. Once you start to look at the world as energy, once you start to look at yourself as energy, once you have the desire to perceive, you will automatically write a different evolution for yourself. Think of it like this. Most people that are into consciousness, that are into working on themselves, accept the idea that life is created by them if you're imbalanced things go wrong if you put out a lot of negative energy you get a lot of negative results these are not particularly awesome shattering concepts for people most people are beginning to accept or they already accept that they create their reality however think of this if you are inside the popular emotion if you believe what everybody else believes if you tick tock along the way they tock along, you're bound to wind up inside the group evolution of your people. You're bound to wind up where they are going. Because if you're not thinking differently, if you're not acting differently, if you don't have a different perception of life, you've got to be putting out what everybody else is putting out and you'll wind up where everybody else is going.
0: We're with Chris Krepsik, who's the founder of TheHoodedSage.com. He worked with Stuart for 20 years. Chris, can you please explain a little bit about your relationship with Stuart and what kind of person he was and the impact
2: he had on the world? Well, Stuart was a great guy. I mean, he was a light. Um, I started studying his work when I was 19. The first time I met him, I was like 24. Um, I always loved his style. And the first time I picked up his book, um, The Quickening, was the first book I picked up by him. And I knew that he knew what he was talking about because it described many of the things that I could already see. And so I immediately knew that I I could just trust this guy because he knew what he was saying. And um, Stewart had a huge impact on all this new age stuff and self-help stuff. There isn't anybody out there that wasn't influenced him, whether directly or indirectly, because he was kind of at the forefront way back in the 80s, that got a lot of these alternative directions out there.
0: Yeah. And how did he um, impact you as a, as a person? How did he influence your teachings?
2: Well, we're from the same kind of lineage. Uh, we're both linked to um, – the teachings are based off of the 33 energies of man. It was an ancient wisdom, um, like I mentioned before, about the the hooded sages of old China, Okay, it's, but it's an energy too. It's, so it's, on one side you have a, a discipline or a philosophy which can be translated into human words, but the other side of it is it's actually about an energy. It's not just the discipline, it's the energy of the discipline. And how it impacted me was that it was just very similar we're, it's kind of like we have an ancient connection before we even got here and all this stuff was planned out long before. And we had these agreements together and um. we were linked to the same lineage of I know, teachers. I would say, I guess that's what you would call it. But um, you wrote,
0: you wrote a really phenomenal tribute to Stuart and talked about him being a professional comedian that he incorporated so much humor yeah. His teachings. So, can you describe any times where you were with him where he made really made you laugh hard? And what was the funniest thing uh, he ever did that made you laugh the hardest?
2: I don't know. <laughs> he did a lot. Well, it was like every day, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we hung out, and um, I, he was my best friend. You know, it was just it was on a daily basis that we were just he would just do things that he was just a good soul. He had a good sense of humor all the time.
1: To become free it's so liberating, it's so glorious, it's part of how you reach the infinite self. You know, the whole point of the infinite self is it's infinite. The whole point of God is that God is unjudgmental and infinite. The whole point of this journey is that you realize that you're not a physical body, you're not a Jew, you're not a Catholic, you're not an African, you're not a Hindu, you're an eternal body, eternal spirit that's rented a body. It's basically, you've gone to Avis Hertz Rent-A-Car and said, give me one. You know, and they said, what car do you want? And you say, well, I want a fucked up one that has no legs. And they say, oh, we've got one here, have this one. You know, or you say, yes, yeah, actually, I want to look like, you know, Cindy Crawford. You say, perfect, I'll have that one. I mean, that's the story here. We're trying to become free. But our societies are run by these complete assholes that don't want us to be free. Why? Because they need our money. They need the power trip over us. They need to be able to control us to feel big time and safe. And important. But have you ever met a government official that was really important? I've never, I never have. You know, I never have, man. I promise you, I never have. They're all s- totally arseholic to me. You know, I mean, some of them are quite sweet. But they're sweet like a sort of rainy afternoon is sweet, you know? You're watching the water run down the window thinking, when the fuck's the rain going to stop, you know? We're not born to be free. And we're not born to have meaning. Because our society is designed to make sure that you don't have any meaning. That you just tick-tock along, giving your money to them, so that they have meaning. That's it. Real meaning you have to fight for. Real meaning is something you have to discover inside yourself. Now, you may discover real meaning through marriage, love, romance, children, family. You may find real meaning in your spiritual path in life, or you may find real meaning helping people, but you have to discover it. Otherwise, life is comparatively boring, isn't it? And when you turn the television on, it's ridiculous. It's just basically a propaganda tool for TikTok, isn't it? You know? It tells you, conform. Buy these type of fish fingers, and not those. You know, these tampons, not those. Buy this shit. And what do they have on television? They have the, whatever the government's telling you. Hello, everybody in Denmark, you sweet and lovely drones. Listen to tonight's news. This is what the government is saying today. These are the things that we want you to buy. These are the things and concepts we want you to accept. This is the bullshit. Don't think for yourself, please. We don't want any of that original thinking crap going down, down here. You know, just buy this bullshit. Because that's really what you've got to do out there. You've got to test the system. Whether it's the system of religions, the systems of morality, the systems of sexuality... The systems of God, the political system, the tax system, you know? The tax system, for fuck's sake, man. Let me help you practice the tax system. This is how you handle the tax system. <laughs> like that. Excuse me? Try this. Fuck the tax system, man. You know? People ask me for taxes. I say, fuck off. It's my money. They say, but you gotta pay. I say, I'm giving you a fucking thing, so fuck off. What you gonna do about it? You know? Piss off.
0: You gotta fight for your freedom. You have to. Because this is a fascist world, and it's getting worse, isn't it? Do you know? Joining us now is Richard Tyler. Richard and Stuart had worked together on a series of music compilations. They made beautiful music together, and Stuart had known Richard for a very long period of time. So, Richard, what can you tell us about Stuart Wilde?
3: Uh, where do I start with Stuart? <laughs> he was uh, he was just a tremendous teacher. He was he was my hero. Um, before I started to work with Stuart, I started reading his books in the uh, mid-'90s. And he was such an inspiration for me. I just was really was really into his writings, his, his disciplines. And then I later met him at one of his seminars, and we just I guess we kind of hit it off. And he just asked me if we would like to uh, you know to uh, collaborate on a music project because he had heard some of, some of my music in the past, and uh, I guess he just felt it was along the lines of what he was trying to put out uh, musically. So it was, I was, it was such a great honor. What
0: did you notice? What, what do you think about him? What made him different than a lot of the other
3: teachers that were out there? Wow. Um, Stuart was just a completely different ball ballgame. Uh, he talked about things that no one else would really touch or maybe they just didn't have experience with, with what he talked about as far as I got. As far as um, interdimensional reality, Um uh, do you think it was and, very far ahead of his time? Far ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. Uh, yeah, there, there, there was really. There's no one out there that I'm aware of, other than maybe David Ike, to some degree, that really talked about the things that he talked about.
0: Okay, and when you're talking about the, what are some of the things that he really talked about? Was some of his fundamental teachings that um, made him kind of really ahead of his time?
3: Well, he he really he had no fear um he would well the, the multi-dimensional reality i'd have to say was probably one of his his big teachings that uh were one of his main teachings that really set him apart from other teachers but he was very brave um uh, he wasn't afraid to talk about things that uh would rattle people's cages um he just really he didn't care what people thought about him he just he he talked about what he believed in and what he experienced and um, and yeah, that was just I really set him apart. I think from
0: other. to talk about saying he would he used to go into a place called the Luna and do some fighting. And uh, my understanding is that you were with him during this period of time. Can you please explain like what it was like to what is it, what does it mean to go into the Luna and to do some fighting? Is it something where you guys were battling some forces that were negative that were having some kind of control over humanity? And what you guys were doing is that what you were taking on is a, a certain form. To go in there and to to push away those negative energies?
3: Yeah, well, I think it started by just, you know, by through through trance states going into these multi dimensional realms. And then uh, we would just come across um, beings that didn't really have our, that weren't very kind, I guess you could (laughs) put it. So, yeah, we just, it was, it was basically a matter of, of of being brave and holding your ground when experiencing these, these beings. And, um, yeah, I mean, there were, there were, there's endless, endless realms. So the beings that we would experience were many times in what could be considered the hell realms or, or lower realms where we'd be confronted by these beings. So, as far as fighting them, I guess it was just we would just blow love to them. Uh, Stuart would use his various techniques to discourage them. And um,
0: how did what did you see? How did you see him, and how did he see you in these uh, various dimensions? And how we were you able to go to these things together?
3: Well, I mean, there were uh, well, basically, what Stuart would teach was through the thing, theta metronome that you would go into these low these lower brain speeds. And that's how we would, uh, we would experience these beings. And I'd be with Stuart. I could see him. He could see me. We would see the same things together. So that, that was really, um, that was really cool. I mean, if you were just on your own and you're having these visions or these experiences, then you'd be like, okay, well, is this just in my mind? But when you're with somebody else and you're having conversations about the exact same thing afterwards, that's, uh, it's pretty mind-blowing.
0: That's pretty amazing. I mean, here's, here, Richard, you know, you, you, one of those unique individuals where you, you not only study with somebody who's, um, you know, a master at what he was doing, but you also travel to various dimensions with this individual. And, um, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. What do you think in terms of, um, this is, what do you think Stuart's historical significance is in terms of, um, what kind of knowledge you brought to humanity on the metaphysical, spiritual front?
3: Wow, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I mean, um, multi-dimensional reality. One, um, I think he really instilled courage in people to just trust their their feelings, their instincts, to not be afraid. To um, to he definitely stretched the boundaries of consciousness, um, commercial consciousness for sure. I mean, he blew that away. Did <laughs> uh, you? Yeah, and also, and also to align, align to, uh, to goodness, align to, align to your heart and, and, uh, and align to nature and to people and to just be a good person, to have honor, I think. That was probably, I would have to say that was a, one of the main things of, of Sturt's teachings was to have honor.
0: Is Mr. Paul Eno, he's the host, executive producer of the National syndicated behind the Paranormal Radio Show, and I want to bring to your attention that Mr. Eno was the last show, that this was the last show that Stuart appeared on before he passed. So, Mr. Eno, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us.
6: Thank you, Ryan. Nice to be with you.
0: Got it. So, Stuart, last interview on your show, what did you think about Stuart and his work over the years, and what kind of reaction did your audience get from Stuart?
6: Well, it was. Um, I wasn't that familiar with him before, and, and I co-host the show with my son Ben, and so we ask questions, uh, you know, in tandem on the show. Uh, Stewart was a bit of a surprise, uh, and I kind of had some mixed feelings. He uh, was very articulate. He uh, had a lot of ideas that that really parallel the um, the ideas that we have developed. I've, I've been. Researching the paranormal for 45, well, like, I going on 46 years uh, since I was studying for the priesthood of Alta. and uh, I recognize much of what I've seen in the paranormal and what he said. Uh, that being the case, uh, I found that a lot of what he said was was pretty wild. Pardon, me. well, don't pardon the pun. I love puns, <laughs> but he was um, he would perhaps say the same things, in, in, and we, we might put them in in a bit uh, sort of a, of a different way or a different light. He recognized the idea of uh, parallel realities, which is something our listeners have been we have been on the air for eight, going on nine years. Our listeners are used to us talking about that. I think that his um, approach might have been a little less bold, maybe, if I may say that, than ours generally is. Uh, I was in, in, intrigued by his um, melding of the multiverse experience with that of shamans. Um, and particularly the use of ayahuasca, you know, the the, uh, uh, common um, drug that's used particularly in South America by shamans. Um, I was intrigued also by his um, use of angles, so to speak, and to say that, you know, in certain angles, this is where you find certain parallel worlds. Um, It was, now some people may look at that and shake their heads. However, uh, we have noticed that in researching paranormal phenomena, particularly the quote-unquote ghost thing, that the, um, the, the entity or, the, or the, the door, however you want to understand it, is up by the ceiling or down by the floor you know, at an angle to where we are in this particular uh, reality, if that, you know, that's how you want to put it. Uh, I found that intriguing so in many ways he really paralleled our own views on some things but perhaps in a, in a bit of a canted way
0: right of all the things that he had told you during your interview what was probably the most shocking to you or what was some of the ideas that you know maybe made you think
6: twice about well I think it was his, his visits to hell okay now certainly uh, in the, the parallel, World view that we take, which is is pretty much descends from certain views of quantum mechanics and certain interpretations of the multiple world uh, interpretation of that particular fringe, uh, but nevertheless legitimate area of physics. There were um, ideas that, that that there are hellish worlds that, that, that all possibilities that can be conceived and all possibilities. Uh, do exist somewhere or somewhere in concrete reality in these parallel simultaneous worlds, and that we live in versions of ourselves live in many of these, and it's all really a kind of us. You know, all, our subconscious is made up of these. You no, know, that's one point of view on this that we happen to agree with. Um, he, uh, Stuart, kind of took that and and uh, said, well, you know, he's actually been to some of these places. You know, as as shamans have told me, they do, and I believe that in certain you know, dreams and and meditative states, and even in waking life, we can do that, and there are record, recorded uh, instances of that sort of thing. Uh, but he said he had actually visited uh, a number of hellish wh- hell worlds. And uh, Ben uh, asked, "I said, well, wh- what, why would you want to do that?" He said, "Well, that's a good question, but uh, in reality, it's uh, you know, it's just this is in order to learn." And he had seen certain people there, and we found that quite interesting.
1: If today is your last day, accept and it only becomes sad if you haven't done anything with your life. Where you go beyond the guilt, where you go beyond the pain of your dysfunctions, bravery is your only option. Be brave. bravery is my only option you cannot actually heal all of the pain of your life do you see it's sad but you can't you can't get past your fears all of them so just agree to be scared just be human people say what's the matter with you so I'm completely scared shitless love me God I'm scared you'll never be the perfect mother You'll never be the perfect father, you'll never be the perfect employee, you'll never be the perfect boss. You'll never be the perfect professor, the perfect airline pilot, you know? And once you realize that, you become so free. Do you see how liberating this would be, how your life would become so liberating? Some people will like you, some people will think you're a complete idiot. So what? And most people think this journey is complicated it's not complicated it's unbelievably simple you're beautiful you're gorgeous you're much more gorgeous than you think you are you're much more beautiful than you think you are to become free it's so liberating it's so glorious, it's part of how you reach the infinite self. So when I started looking at this stuff from a point of spirituality, I thought, well, what would God want? And of course, God doesn't want anything. God's love, immensity, enormity. You are born free. And you start to become free, and you look at the infinity inside of you, and you just align to it. Because if you keep moving, you're safe. Our energy is moving. Because if you keep moving, you're free. and all spirituality in the end is to do with freedom
0: Love and beers. Take care and thank you so much for listening.